podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Burning Questions podcast with myself, FPL Harry. And it is great to have back with me my usual co-host. It's nice to have guests, but there's a little bit of something comforting about having Andy back with me. How are you doing, first and foremost? Yeah, it's good to be back. I think a two-week two hiatus. We had some great guests and uh, good job on you holding down the fort. Um, excited to be potting with you again. Excited to rant. I know yesterday we were talking about what should we talk about for the agenda today. And both of us said, let's just continue to rant all day. So I know all of us are struggling. If you, By the way, if you look at my background, I'm in sunny Cologne, Germany today. Uh, I wish the construction stuff wasn't out there, but it's a beautiful day out here. And it's good to be back in Europe uh, zoning the same time zone as you for the first time so good to be back Harry cool yeah thank you to everyone joining um as well we have a lot to cover um it has been I mean the worst game week quite hands down of the season so far for pretty much everyone I think it's had the lowest average so far of any game week unless you have Julian Alvarez or you have uh, Mo Salah you basically are looking at a red arrow it feels like unless you've got of course there are some differentials that that may have done well like if you've got DRB but of the highly owned you know template players unless you have Alvarez and Salah you're staring at either a medium red arrow or a very big arrow so We'll go through all of that. We'll have a look at our teams. We're going to have a look at every position today, apart from goalkeepers. Um, still no real, no goalkeepers that are standing out to us at the moment. And we don't have time when we need to do defenders, midfielders and forwards as well. So yeah, today we're going to have a look at all of those burning questions in the land of FPL. If someone in the chat, as always, if you guys are enjoying, you like these streams, make sure to hit the like button, make sure you're uh, subscribing as well. And if someone could just give me a thumbs up to make sure that the stream is all sounding and we're about the same level of audio as well but without further ado let's get the worst part of this stream over and done with let's have a look at our scores for the for oh the God. game week game week so far so let us know in the chat exactly how many points you got um we've got i've got 34 i still have turner to play it's up in the air about whether he's going to feature or not at all we both have pickford first sub um i mean there's not much really I have Bakai Saka. He got six. I brought in Fabian Shah this week, but I sold Saliba, so I didn't really gain anything there. I captained Erling Haaland, so I got 12 from him. And uh, yeah, apart from that, there are very few points for me. But yeah, go through yours very quickly and then we'll move on. No, there's no need to go through mine. Uh, by the way, I think you missed out uh, on a couple of differentials uh, that possibly gained your rank this week. Watkins being one, 22% owned. Yeah. The trippier Bottman guys as well, if you had Newcastle, good on you. Um, I, I think Flapjack's in the chat. He had Robertson out of all players. So shout out to Flapjack on that. <laughs> yeah, true. And, Dia- I, and as you mentioned, Diaby's 13% owned, which is a very surprising stat to me. Mm-hmm. So good for you guys. There was just no points to be had. I thought going into the final Arsenal game, I literally had zero returns going into the Arsenal game. Of course, I had to, you know, Captain Sun. I will say this is not a hindsight take. I was a little hesitant on captaining Sun. So in the end, I went with a sort of gut vibe type of thing. I mean, he's my favorite player. I do have to go for him when mm-hmm. he's a genuine shout this week. But I was afraid that uh, Ainge hasn't proven himself against the low block yet. So I was just thinking that there was only going to be one or two or three maximum goals and whether Sun would be involved was the chance I took. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like a um, very convincing captaincy shout. Uh, it, it was sort of a vibe thing for me. So I'm very lucky that Holland 
you know, after five, what big chances got away yeah. with one goal, um, we, we survived. So I think that was the only positive I'll take from this week. But yeah. besides that, uh, go ahead. Well, go ahead. Ha- yeah, Haaland was the biggest underachiever in terms of XG this week. Yeah, no one correct. else under uh, yeah underachieved as much. He had two and a half XG, five big chances with one goal. No one else missed. I mean, getting 2.5 XG in a game is pretty mad. Not many people do that in the first place, but for him to only come away it was both great from Ariola, but also mm-hmm. we saw Haaland miss chances that normally he wouldn't so yeah the Son one's interesting I feel like before mm-hmm. the game you're quite unlucky I feel like to get nothing but having watched the games you're lucky to not have been punished more than you were I would probably say yeah I mean right off the bat I, I'm actually confident going into this Arsenal Liverpool game like one of the reasons I brought him in is that I actually thought the Sheffield game, obviously on paper, is the best game and we expected him to do better. But I was also decently confident going into the Arsenal and Liverpool game because there's opportunities for him to sort of exploit the back line. And, you know, he doesn't need that many chances. He needs one or two or three chances because he's a lethal finisher. So I would just hold, you know, we brought him in for a reason. We have game week eight Luton coming up. Uh, I would just hold on and, and hope that he gets some returns in the next two games against Liverpool and Arsenal. It's funny, this whole like Holland thing and how FPL works, uh, Harry, because I was on the flight and got off at like literally at when the second half started. Right. So, you know, what's the very first thing I do as soon as I got data on the phone is not check. I didn't check. I didn't even check the Spurs score. I checked Man City score first because I was just so scared. And the last two hours on the plane before it arrived, I was just like, you know, kind of shitting my pants. Right. And yeah. I, I got off the plane. I see that, you know, I have no idea what the XG looks like or how the game's going. And I see Holland hasn't scored anything. Super excited, you know, kind of like uh, um, thinking that I got away with it. Get through immigration. There's like five, 10 minutes left. And, you know, he scores in the, what, 86 minute or something. And my whole just like mood went down in the, in the final few minutes. Yeah. So looking back on it now that I've seen the extended highlights and sort of the uh, the statistics as well. Uh, very lucky we got away as non non captainers this week. Yeah, honestly, traveling or being without signal when there are games on and there are highly owned players playing is the, worst, the worst thing. <laughs> you land or like you, I don't know, where you're on a or yeah, wherever you are, and you get signal and you check. This hour before you're able to check, I feel like is the most stressful time. I've definitely had it before. I had it when um, do you remember when Trent scored like twenty points against Leicester? Um, and everyone like loads of people sold him and I landed and I had kept him and that was a great one but the other Mm -hmm. week I was on a flight when uh, Pickford played Sheffield United and I landed (laughs) and saw that he scored a known goal and I was like oh god it could have been could have gone a lot better but anyway first up I mean one one thing I'll say Harry sorry the worst the funniest I mean this is how ridiculous FPL like what this does to you is so that was a 12-hour flight for me from Seoul to to uh, Frankfurt. Yeah. Uh, and I was even considering, let me sleep at the last part of the flight instead of the start of the flight so that I don't have to stress the, yeah. the final hour. Yeah, it's just uh, it's funny what this game does to you. But I, we enjoy it for a reason, right? But yeah. again, this week was a very terrible week for a lot of people. Uh, I think it's important to take a little bit of a chill you know, pill for the next couple of days, Champions League coming at full force over the, you know, midweek. So uh, I wouldn't make any tra- early transfers, but yeah. uh, I think, I think, you know, don't make any rash decisions would, is what I like to say. 
Yeah. I've just realized that you, you get Gabrielle off your bench, don't you, for a Stephen? Correct. So yeah. you get a little bit But even bit that, I'm not happy with it because you Saliba owners have one up on us. So Well, I, I don't have Saliba. I sold them this week. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I did. So my transfer this week was Saliba to Shah. I wanted to get ahead of Newcastle. I wanted to give Kabore another chance to get back into that Luton team. Not necessarily that he's the best. I didn't want to make a goalkeeper transfer. I didn't want to sell any of my midfielders in the end to Son. So back to nice. the only... Th- I mean, I should have sold Jackson in the end, but that wasn't really a... It wasn't going to happen. So I did right. Saliba to Shard, knowing that I didn't actually want Saliba for about the next four game weeks now. So I'm one ahead of it, but then mm-hmm. he beat Saliba by one. So I'm one point up. I'm better set up going forward, but... The Newcastle defence, I wouldn't be surprised, and we'll talk about them in a minute, I wouldn't be surprised if it's over 100% ownership this week. I think that's how high it's going to go this week. But yeah, first up, a, it, go yeah, on, go, go on. Now let's no, just it's, a good, it's a good up, point yeah. you're making um, because I think when we get to the Newcastle section, I would really like to discuss with you about the potential of doubling up on their defence because yeah. as you mentioned, everyone's going to have one this game week, most likely. Yeah. So yeah, 100% EO is definitely going to be there. Yeah, so I mean, one of the reasons we'll talk about, we'll go into uh, potential, you know, midfield defenders, midfielders, forwards in that order in just a moment. Always a nice place to start for us is the fixture ticker looking at the next six game weeks. So, of course, the fixture tickers and data, predictive points, everything favours teams with extra fixtures, right? So, Luton at the top because they have a double in game week seven, Burnley second because they have a double in game week second and game week seven after that. Aston Villa, Liverpool, Newcastle, Brentford. But I, wor- I suppose it's worth having a look at Aston Villa and Liverpool. It's very much weighted by their fixtures from game week nine onwards. Whereas Newcastle's are very much weighted by their next few fixtures, right? So Aston Villa, Liverpool are high up on the next six. But actually, if you were to weight it to the next three, Aston Villa having Chelsea, Brighton, Wolves away and Liverpool having West Ham and then Spurs and Brighton away, they wouldn't be nearly as high, right? So Newcastle feel like the best short-term fixtures. Brentford are also up there, right? So Everton and Nottingham Forest in the next two. And then right down at the bottom, part of the reason I decided to sell sell Saliba this week is Arsenal, bottom of the fixture ticker overall for the next six game weeks. So, I mean, not much to take away. It's just a nice thing to set the scene, just to think about potentially the teams that we want to be looking at. And it really does feel like Newcastle are going to be forefront a lot of the chat today. Yeah, I agree. I, I, you know, I wouldn't even look too far ahead because we do have another international break coming up uh, before game week nine. So yeah. for me, when I was looking at the fixture tickers, I was more focused on game weeks five to seven or five to eight, especially with the European fixtures coming in uh, starting this week. So, yeah, I, I mean, Arsenal, there's not much really to deep dive into Arsenal, Harry, it, because we don't really own much of them. A lot of us are going to sell their defender. Yeah. So I, I don't think Saka is like an urgent sell for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um so that's that's about it in terms of Arsenal's fixtures. Yeah, we'll talk. I want to talk a little bit about Saka actually, um, mm-hmm. but we'll talk about it when we get to the midfielders because, yeah, I mean, I don't want to give it away, but he's. I find him quite infuriating to own actually. Okay. Um, especially when I watch the games, he doesn't necessarily pass the eye test for me. But we'll we'll do that when we get to midfielders. So. The next graphic we've got, I'll let you talk through. It, it starts to have a look because, of course, Champions League starts between the midweeks of. Uh, Game week five and game week six. And then I think game week six and game week seven is the, there's also fixtures as well, depending on what group you are in. So yeah, this has a look at the spacing that each of the clubs has between games. So you can start to see the likes of Manchester City, 
Arsenal, United, Newcastle having a lot of red spacing, which which I think is a two or two day clear Correct. gap with no game on. So if the game is in the evening, it, it doesn't count that, right? So yeah, I mean, I'll let you talk through this one. Yeah, so the red gap is two days. So I like for example, if they played on Wednesday and then they played on I believe Saturday, that's yeah. like a two day gap in between because you got Thursday and uh, Friday. Yeah. This is by Lego Mane, the great Lego Mane um, on Twitter. So do. Uh, give him a follow if you have a chance. Um, it's a very good graphic for such or times like this when uh, you know fixtures congestion starts to come into play, and it's also good for us. It's very easy to analyze if you like really look into it, and we just have to look at the next. Yeah. I would say two or three or four game weeks before game week nine again, and the Man City one is very interesting to me because a lot of us Harry are talking about Alvarez, but I have some concerns with this congestion, right? So they just played um, and on Saturday. Yeah. They get a two-day rest. They play Champions League at home tomorrow. So yeah. uh, it is an easier opponent. I can't even pronounce the name, but I'm assuming it's an easier opponent. Again, Champions yeah. League is one of those animals where there's no real easy opponents. It's just uh, one of those allures of playing in the Champions League. Right? Yeah, well, but, it will be the team that mm-hmm. was so pot one okay. will play pot four. So it will be the weakest team in theory right. in their group. Okay, great. So... Let's say that, um, you know, Man City does really well and are able to finish the game off early, which as FPL managers or Alvarez owners, we are kind of hoping for. They get some rest and then they get a solid three days. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday before a Saturday, I believe it's a 3 p.m. game versus Nottingham Forest. And so we assume that Alvarez will likely start this game, right? We we would yeah. like we have to go if you're going to bring in Alvarez this week, you have to bet that he's going to start this game, or we get a leak that he starts this game. Yeah. But you have to keep in mind next week there's a very important matchup against Newcastle in the Carabao Cup after Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, three day rest. So again, three day rest. Uh, I believe that fixture is away, yes, and correct. from there from there on. Man City have like three or four away games in a row. So another very big factor moving into the following uh, week. So they play that game next week, I believe, Wednesday. Yeah. But the fixture I'm really worried about, Harry, is the one after against Wolves on Saturday, which is, I think, a Thursday, Friday rest, and then it's Wolves. Saturday, yeah. Correct. And then a three-day rest before Leipzig in uh, Champions League again. And then three-day rest for Arsenal, which I'm not worried about the Arsenal game. Most likely, you're, you're going to field your strongest team, yeah. which Alvarez seems to be part of. So if we're bringing him now, let's say the Arsenal game in game week eight is a lock. You could also get away with it by, for example, bringing in Morris for the likes of Archer and just starting him over Alvarez. If Just in case um, you know he's not available for that game week eight fixture. Do we... You know, assume that he's going to play this game against Wolves next week. It it's a it's a question mark to me, right? Yeah. Um, what all the quotes and things are pointing to the direction that Alvarez is undroppable. He is still very young. He is still, you know, that in that team he can play a lot of minutes. But uh, maybe we have to be a little bit hesitant on bringing him in with the assumption that he might just end up playing one or two games out of the next three in the Premier League, which we we uh, matter for. And we'll get to the Jackson talk, but think about Jackson like being just an awful asset, yet he's definitely going to start the next three games. So that's my sort of dilemma with Alvarez, but I'd like to know your thoughts on on this fixture congestion. 
Yeah, I mean, the only thing stopping Jackson playing the next three is on four yellow cards, which is crazy, right? So he's mm-hmm. one yellow mm-hmm. away from being suspended, which is very possible. He doesn't look like he's got the like mental strength to not get booked as well. Right. Like, right. I watched Chelsea play and I just like he's shouting at the ref like all the time. And it's happened every game. I think like three of them have been for not for tackles as well, which is seems crazy. But it could be that he gets suspended. My so my initial thought for Manchester City, the only thing I would say is actually looking at their squad depth at the moment, that it isn't there compared to how it used to be. Mm-hmm. Grealish is not fit at the moment. Kovacic is not fit at the moment. So there is a little bit of... They've, of course, sold Cole Palmer as well, who, like, that Newcastle Cup game would be ready-made for Cole Palmer to start, for example. The I, It's interesting how I think Pep lines up, particularly in that Cup game, right? So that Newcastle away fixture, in on paper, it's a difficult fixture, but we know a lot of the top clubs early on in these competitions don't go heavy with their first team squads in these cup competitions. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, it feels like, and it probably, I mean, it probably doesn't happen, but it feels like managers agree on it because both the, you know, when you, when Chelsea played <laughs> um, like against them last year, there's suddenly two second string 11s coming out and it's like they've decided between them that that's what they're going to do. But anyway, I, I I look at that Newcastle one and think that is where there's going to be some rotation. I, th- I think he definitely starts Arsenal. And I think he definitely starts at least one of the next two. Right. I suppose the doubt comes. If we get news that he starts in game week six, then then great. I think I may end up going there. What is annoying, particularly for the Jackson to Alvarez move, is if I'm going to buy Alvarez, I'm going to buy him just before the deadline. Like that is mm-hmm. what I feel like you have to do. If he doesn't start on Tuesday, then potentially you can go earlier. Because if he doesn't mm-hmm. start Tuesday, I cannot see him missing out for those two games in a row. But I think he's going to start Tuesday. So if he does start Tuesday, you have to wait till Saturday. But the issue with that is Jackson's right, so. going to drop at least mm-hmm. once and mm-hmm. Alvarez is going to rise at least once. So that's a minimum of a 0.2 swing. It could even end up being 0.3 or 0.4 come the deadline, depending on how much goes close on that Friday night, which is what concerns me. But he, he has said he's undroppable, but he did say that about Nathan Ake last year in the very next game week, he put Ake yeah. on the bench. So I don't... Yeah, I don't buy those quotes. Yeah. I don't really buy those quotes. It's just the lack of depth that I don't really see who he benches him for at the moment that is what's potentially leaning me to go and get him. And I just, I look at a lot of the forwards and I don't really know who else I want to buy. He's in the team that's going to score the most goals. And when he creates chances for someone else, he's creating chances for other players who are the most likely to score them as well. So it's not like like you look at some of the Chelsea players and they put up like one XA, for example, and then maybe they get an assist. Alvarez creates half a chance and it's to Haaland, right? And Haaland's more likely to capitalise on that. So he doesn't need as good as underlying data as some of the others to, to start getting those returns. He's also a great finisher. I am going to keep an eye on it. And if, if he starts Forrest, I think I'll buy him. I think he'll be in my team. Um, yeah, yeah. Slightly off topic, but yeah, I think that's a, it's a good place to start. Alvarez is a good example of it. No, it's not off topic. And uh, it, just a couple, uh, three things on that. First thing is uh, you concerned about price rise. I think it's genuine, right? Because for me, as someone who lost point two on Gabriel, I can't, I can't believe I still have him. Um, when that wild card comes and we want Salah, Holland, yeah. 
I, I haven't done this exercise yet, but there's a potential that that point something is going to make a difference in getting maybe an another yeah. point eight 8.0 midfielder yeah. versus the field. So that's that's the thing about price rise is that I would uh, also be it, that would, I would also consider as a factor in my decision making. Yet you know we we have to bet on the fact that he's playing this uh, NFL game this Saturday. If he doesn't start this game, I don't, I just don't think he's worth it. Let's say he starts this game. That's the alternative I presented to you is that maybe you don't have to trade out Alvarez in game week seven. If there's any news that he doesn't start in game week seven, you could get to the Morris through. I don't know how much Morris costs, but I still have enough money in the how much five, five. Okay, so it's quite expensive. But the alternative I had is if you don't go Trippier, you could do Archer to Morris and just have both those players and and have him before you wildcard him out in game week nine or ten. Right. So. That was another thinking I had, um, but yeah, the Alvarez one is tough. And, and and the last point I'll make is that we're talking right now about this fixture congestion, and and I'm presenting to you how, you know, they have four away games after the NFO, and they have very little time in between games. So I'm concerned about the game week seven. But you know, FPL Spaceman on Twitter made a very very good tweet that I really enjoyed. Um, I'll try to not curse. He says FPL is a bit like playing chess against a pigeon. No matter how strategically I plan my moves, the pigeon just knocks over the pieces and who's on the board. So uh, it just goes to show maybe Alvarez's points are there to be had this game week. And yeah. we, we might be over planning uh, just because of fixture congestion. Yeah. yeah. Just on a couple of the other teams then. Very quickly. Because City, of course, are a hot topic. Manchester United, I, I, I can't see Rashford and Bruno missing games. Whether we want to keep them or sell them is another thing. And I think it falls similarly for Arsenal that I don't see the likes of Saka missing games. Martinelli out now, potentially for a while. We don't know the length of that injury. Gabriel Jesus and Nketiah are probably concerns for me because we could see either of them start. But I think Arsenal and United, I don't see massive rotation. And Newcastle, we've spoken about it to death, that in in attack, I see a lot of rotation, as we saw at the weekend, right? And in defence, I don't see very much. I think I disagree with the United situation, uh, Harry, because uh, let's take a look at the United um, fixture congestion here on yep. Lego Mountain's chart. Um, okay, so United, right? I think we're a bit blinded by how good their fixtures look on that initial fixture ticker you showed. Yeah. But if you look at, at this congestion period, first of all, they, they're playing, they're shambolic right now, right? They're not playing well. Yeah. Yes, Bruno and Rashford are playing well, but... You know, they're very reliant on Rashford and and the team is not looking good. And I I go back all the way to when I think United were playing really well after the World Cup, when Rashford was in the form of his life and Ten Hag had sort of conquered this pressing in the Premier League and they were playing uh, fantastic football. But remember at that period, we were thinking about like once the European fixtures come into fold, like United assets who are going to really struggle cardio-wise. Yeah. You sprinkle uh, Europa League as well as their run to the Carabao Cup final last year, and then a very intense sort of preseason as well. They're, I think they're lacking the legs. The fitness is not there. There's players like sort of walking around in, in the fixtures that, that I've been seeing. Um, and so they go away to Bayern on Wednesday, which is a very difficult fixture, full team at strength, and they're probably going to struggle in that game. Two days after, they travel away against to Burnley. And then two days after, they go to Crystal Palace on a Tuesday night. 
Uh, and then three days after they they play Crystal Palace again. I don't know if they stay in Crystal Palace or go back to Old Trafford and travel yeah, back, back. But yeah, yeah, it's very intense scheduling as well. And then mm. uh, you know Champions League against Galatasaray, which they have to win because my assumption is that they're going to Lose struggle to against Bayern yeah. Munich, right? So it's not like uh, it's not all flowers on on uh, the fixture ticker because of not only this congestion, but also I go all the way back to January again. There's just been you know, Ten Hag has one way of playing, which is press, press, press. And I think he needs to mm-hmm. adjust for this. Casemiro is looking awful as well. I'm, we'll yeah. get to this section eventually. But um, yeah, I, I don't think, uh, I, I'm not very confident that they're going to be uh, very good key assets in, in the next few game weeks because of the, the points I just made. Yeah, fair enough. The Again, I, I, I do look at the cup fixtures and think I expect that to be where they potentially rotate, right? Like Garnacho in for Rashford in the cup just feels like a ready-made change for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think there's probably enough positives for me that they need points against Burnley that I expect Rashford and Bruno to still play that game. Um, sure. But maybe long-term, like, I mean, they still, the thing is they need points in the league so badly that if he suddenly comes out in any of these games and has like Rashford on the bench and they don't pick up points the backlash you'll get from that is is crazy given where they're already in the league so yeah he's he's walking a tightrope because if he starts favoring the champions league which he needs to and moves his eye off the premier league he's putting himself in in quite a dangerous position but we're half an hour into the pod and we've haven't got past the fixtures so first up looking at defenders so what we've got on the left here is um the expected goals conceded so far for all the teams in the league. And then on the right-hand side, you've got the XGI um, of the top, I think, 15 or so defenders. So you've got best defences in terms of clean sheets and then the best defenders in terms of attack. You've also got it split by XG and XA. So, for example, you look, look at Cash versus Chilwell, for example. The overall, their data is not massively different, but cash is massively weighted towards XG, whereas the Chilwell, for example, is massively weighted towards XA. So looking at the top defenders we've got here, a few interesting ones. So City are, are at the top. However, looking at their fixtures, looking at the Champions League, I still don't feel like it's a massive place I want to invest. They could easily keep two clean sheets in the next two, but it does get a little bit more difficult for them after that. Arsenal second, it's similar with the fixtures, which then leaves me with Chelsea who we're definitely not investing in at the moment. I think that's fair to say, whether it's whether it's Gusto, whether it's Chilwell, if you've got them, that's one thing, but buying into them new is definitely not. Which then leaves Newcastle, right? Newcastle are fourth for the best defence in the league, despite having played Man City, Liverpool, I think Brighton, Villa, Brentford. Like To have the fourth best defence so far this season, playing arguably five of the best attacks so far this season, is really, really strong. So from a clean sheet point of view, mm. they're they're definitely top. Yeah, yeah. I mean, good on you for bringing in Shar um, last week, and again, now you have an opportunity to double up. I personally had a lot of money in the bank for this uh, game week six to come up, where I was looking at Trippier as an option. Um, yeah, and you know, you know, Harry, the narrative sort of is that like uh, Trippier got, might get rested. There's like a Newcastle have a lot of fixtures coming up, but. Yeah. Again, if you look at this like sort of ticker or this Lego manage chart, they have um I'll, I'll say this quickly. They played Saturday, two day rest before, you know, San Siro game tomorrow, which is going to be tough. Uh, and then they have four full days rest before 
a Sunday game versus Sheffield. Um, so I would assume that both Botman and Trippier start, or, or and Shar as well. Then Man City lurking in the background, two days rest after. So I'm sure that's going to be a factor in how many minutes they might get if they play well against Sheffield. But the benefit here is that the next three games after that Sheffield game is all home home games. So after Man City, they they have two day rest for Burnley at home, three day rest for PSG at home, and then West yeah. Ham at home as well. So there is a confidence that they need to win Premier League games. They they're going to try to do really well in the Champions League. It means a lot to the Newcastle fans. Um, so I just feel like with the home games and the importance of these games. I don't see a scenario where Trippier gets rested in, in from here till game week nine. If so, maybe one game. But yeah. uh, again, I'm very confident that uh, he plays all these games. And so maybe a double up is on the cards for me. Okay, interesting. I think so. Just to mention quickly, a lot of people, well, people often say in the chat, well, why aren't you mentioning Dan Byrne? <laughs> of all the defenders, Dan Byrne has the best backup in Lewis Hall. They spent a decent amount of money on him and he is a great player. So for the same amount of money as Dan Byrne, you can buy Botman. Botman got three bonus points. He is very good for bonus points compared to Dan Byrne. What, Botman, why is that, by the way? I, I don't know the, like, the underlying... Like I think he right. makes more... I think his pass completion and number of passes is higher. I think that's what okay. it is. Um, he also created a big chance at the weekend, which wasn't scored, but from a corner, he flicked it down and then it was saved on the line. So... He he got that, which is why he partly beat Trippier to bonus points this week. Okay. I expect Botman to get more bonus points this season than Byrne does attacking returns. So people are thinking, well, Dan Byrne's huge. He's going to score some goals. But he, he actually doesn't. Shah is actually the main goal threat from, from set pieces. He's often the one that they target. So for me, it is Botman at 4.5, Shah at 5, and Trippier at 6.5. Of those three... Trippier does have the best backup. If they were to, if you were to line them up, the centre backs don't really have a backup. It's Lascelles or it's Dan Byrne at centre back, and Dan Byrne doesn't play well when he plays there. Livermento in for Trippier is, you know, on paper, the best backup. Now, whether we expect that to actually happen, we we don't know. They have. He is a great player, and we've known it in FPL before. I rate Livermento very highly. He'll get some minutes at some point, but I agree. I don't think Trippier misses maybe more than one in one. the next six, seven game weeks. Okay. So, uh, by the way, um, Tachon makes a good point. West Ham is away game. I meant to say the previous three games before the West Ham game mm -hmm. is a home game. So, yeah, um, thanks for the clarification. On that point, Harry, yes, I want to dial it back a little. I made a you know, statement that I think Trippier starts all the games. I'm confident that he has a chance of getting away with starting all these games, especially the yeah. Premier League games that we we really want him to start for. But in terms of minute security, if you had to sort of rank the defenders one, two, three, can you can you give Botman your suggestion? one share two Trippier three? Interesting. Would probably be my order. Yeah, so you're confident Botman and Share just continue to start. I just, particularly because Shah plays, Shah's backup is Lascelles, right? Mm -hmm. Because they can't, because he's the right-sided centre-back. In theory, they could play Burn left side, Botman right side, but I do not see that happening. So his backup really is Lascelles, and I just don't really see that, really see that coming. 
I think Trippier, Trippier, I mean, Shah's, I think, 31. Trippier's about the same, I think, in terms of age. So Botman is by far the youngest as well. He's like 24, right? So I feel like Botman is by far the most nailed. Mm -hmm. By far, I feel. Well, I think they're all pretty nailed, but Botman is like 99% compared to the others being maybe 90, I would say. Um, so yeah, Botman is definitely first. Shah, I feel like, is second just because of the backup being weaker compared to Trippier's backup being better. Okay, so if that's the case, and uh, I think a lot of people are disagreeing with me about Trippier getting a rest, so, uh, you know, fine. If you th Do you think Trippier's sort of XGI is worth, forget about price, yeah. worth, worth going for? Because I think price is not a, a non-factor for those that yeah. might be able to bring him in. Would you consider him over... Okay, let's say Botman is the number one pick. Would yeah. you consider him over Shar as a second pick? So I watched the Newcastle-Brentford game at the weekend and I didn't enjoy not owning Trippier. It was like... It felt like the Trippier of, of days nice. gone by. So if prize was not a factor, which of course it is playing this game, the upside of Trippier's attacking returns is worth the additional potential rotation risk is, is where I'm at. However, if you do start to add in the price, does that sway it a little bit potentially? So one thing to bear in mind is if you're going Trippier is, is when you're going to wildcard, right? Okay. Trying, to, trying to build a team with Mo Salah, Erling Haaland, and then two mid-price mids with Kieran Trippier in your team is very difficult. We've, I've tried to do it for sort of game week 8, 9, 10 onwards. And you're leaving out someone you don't want to leave out. However, if you are if you go Botman or Cher or both of them, it makes life easier to do. Now, if you're going to wildcard in game week 8, 9 or 10, and that is your route to go and get Mo Salah in, then I feel like going going Trippier now is a, is a no-brainer because the upside is nice. there and you can take the money out of Trippier when you go to play your wildcard. So you can, you can do it that way. But... If you're not nailed, set on wildcarding and you actually plan on, you've either played your wildcard or you plan on playing it further down the line and you're not playing in that game week 8 to 10 window to buy Mo Salah and you're going to try and buy Mo Salah with transfers, Trippier makes it very, very difficult and I've tried to do it. So that's part of the reason I didn't buy him this week is I actually think I'm going to try and save my wildcard later on in the season. So mm -hmm. I don't think I'm going to end up buying Trippier. I may end up going double, but it will be Botman share and it won't be Trippier. I mean, we're going on a tangent here, but have you figured out a way to get Salah uh, if you're going to wildcard later down the line? Yes. And how, how can you can you? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, it, I I could do it this week. I could do Chilwell to Botman. I could do Bruno to Salah, and then I'd sell Jackson. I'd have to get Morris. The only slight downgrade there is if I could do it, and it was Jackson to Alvarez, Bruno to Sattler. And then um, Chilwell to Botman, I would have done it already, I think. Um, but the Morris downgrade over Alvarez is something we'll talk about. I I feel like that's a big enough downgrade to make it, to doubt it, to do it this week. But I think I've got enough routes to get there. I think it might take a minus nice. four, potentially a minus eight. But I think a minus eight is worth saving the wild card for. It won't need anything more than that, personally. In the way, that's why, like, I went Shah this week. It's why, yeah, there's been a few things that I've just tried my best to save a little bit of money to do. Um, yeah, so... It, if, it, it's Yeah, go ahead. 
so I, I suppose my conclusion to people is if you are going to wildcard to buy Salah or you already have Salah, Trippier is first. If you're not, then it's Botman. Yeah. Very interesting. I mean, uh, West Ham, Aston Villa, Diaby, Bowen, they might become a factor by the time 9, 10 comes mm-hmm. around for uh, someone like you who's trying to save it. And I see good reason to save it because it's not like super, super drastic differences, yeah. right? Plus, the next wild card is going to be way late, later down the line. So there might be a huge advantage to saving it yeah. for, let's say, game week 15, 16, 17, 18, something like that. So interesting, interesting. You're uh, bringing, it's good that we're having this Newcastle conversation because, uh, yeah, I didn't really consider Shar and Botman double up over Trippier, but um, sounds mm-hmm. like if we're wild carding in game week 9 and 10, Trippier is a no brainer, according yeah. to you. Um, nice. the, the, the final question. Is there any defender you would buy this week that doesn't play for Newcastle? Or is it simply, if you are buying a defender this week, you buy Mm. one of them. If you've already got one, you buy another one of them. Is it as simple as that? Or is there any defender you'd buy? Yeah. Again, my my perception of this is a little bit skewed because I've been sort of really bullish on, not bullish, but really sort of planning towards a game week nine or 10 wild card. So if you look at the fixtures from here till then, yeah. there's no real like fixture screamer in terms yeah. of teams with great defensive uh, fixtures. But, you know, I was like looking at that Brentford Newcastle game and I really wanted Jensen, Janssen Jensen in my team. Only issue is he's, uh, you know, a midfielder. So uh, besides that, I don't think there's a, a clear shout and Newcastle double defense just seem not double, but Newcastle defender, I think is the the priority mm-hmm. if you're going to go make a defensive switch this week. The only other one, and just to mention, if you are wildcarding in game week 10, Brentford have Everton, Forest, Burnley as three of their next four. It doesn't yeah. sound like Rico Henry is going to be available. We don't know anything for sure, but it, it doesn't sound good for Rico Henry. But there are others in there at a cheap price, like Pinnock, for example. Yeah. But you only have three good fixtures in the next four, whereas Newcastle have four. They're probably the only team that I would even slightly consider, but I think I would just buy the Newcastle guys because Rico Henry is the most attacking. And if he's not going to play, then you are just buying for clean sheets. So you may as well buy Newcastle for clean sheets. Correct, correct. I mean, I I wouldn't go uh, say it's a bad decision. I I still believe in Brentford as a team and I feel like regardless of the xgc stats they're a very solid team right so maybe if you want to go differential i get it and you know try to get their clean sheets a very important question on defense harry is that we haven't talked about chillwell um so true oh no do we have to chelsea fan uh yeah we talked previous to starting live today right like i'm not so like certain that selling him is the right decision but yeah what are your thoughts on on chillwell so I have just seen a tweet from um, Scout on on him, but it's quoting what Pochettino said yesterday. There are very mixed reports about why Chihuahua missed out. Pochettino said that he wanted to play a more attacking player, but the commentators said that he had a knock, which is really weird. Why, yeah. if he had a knock, did the commentators have information that wasn't given publicly? Were the commentators wrong? Or was Pochettino just not telling us everything? So there is a lot going on. I found it bizarre that he was benched. I really did. I didn't... I I thought Mudrick starting was the right decision. But then we still have Levi Colwell playing left back. 
So Chilwell at left wing is an experiment that hasn't worked so far this season. But why suddenly is Levi Colwell playing playing left back? Maybe he doesn't want to unsettle it, but I don't really think that that works massively. I personally think he comes back in for the Villa game, but I mm-hmm. don't quite know where. The issue with Chilwell at left back and Mudrick at left wing is they both come centrally. Neither of them like to stay wide. So they both end up occupying the same space, which Pochettino doesn't massively love. Okay. I par- I can't see us. Again, it's weird because he's vice captain, right? And with Reese James out, he's naturally our club captain, which shouldn't necessarily make a difference. But Pochettino made him our vice captain. It's not like he inherited Chilwell in that position. Poch made James our captain and Chilwell our vice captain. Like he saw them and decided that that's what he was going to do. So I personally think he comes back in. Whether then the system against like Fulham and Burnley the couple of weeks later means that Mudrick is favoured in those games again, I don't know. But just because he comes back in doesn't mean I necessarily expect him to score any points. So I find it hard. Jackson we'll talk about is a much easier sell for me than I think Chilwell is. Um mm. But if Chilwell downgrade frees up money to do another move, then do it with no hesitation, I think. But I think Chilwell is a harder sell than maybe some of the others because I do expect him to start against Villa, but I don't necessarily expect us to beat Villa. So, Yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, I, I also agree with you. I think it was a tactical decision, which is pretty wild. I think the commentators got it wrong. Um, I don't think they know fully. I'd be surprised if Poch came out and said it was sort of an injury-based decision or a tactical decision. He's probably not going to say much. But um, if you look at the sort of Lego money chart once again, it's not like Chelsea have the worst sort of rest days in between, right? Yeah. So I guess my question to you is that, first of all, most of us are going to go to a Newcastle defender through an Arsenal defender is my assumption. Mm, So do you go make that second move or, or maybe some people have to do the chill one to, to uh, Newcastle move, which is fine. If that was a second sort of move you were making, and I get the point you're saying that Aston Villa clean sheet's going to be hard to come by. Chilwell position is a question mark. Is he going to get, get attacking returns? You know, Chelsea have been shambolic, but they've also just kept a clean sheet. Do you think he gets the starts between Villa, Fulham, and Burnley, the next three Premier League games? Do I think he starts all three? Probably not. Really? Okay. Yeah. I would say, yeah, I would say I'm not confident he starts all of the next three, particularly with the like Burnley Fulham games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fran is saying the team balance looked not great with, um, Chilwell coming to a left back. It's yeah. different when they come on as subs though, compared to like, he hasn't played there at all this season. So mm-hmm. it has been like a little bit in pre-season, but generally it's been like four months since he's played left back. So I'm not that surprised by that. Um, if he comes in from the start, then I think it looks much, much more comfortable. We just are not like, we have not, we're not going through this season. I refuse to believe we're going through the season as Levi Colwell as our left back. I love him and I rate him, but he's not Ben Chilwell as a left back who's, been at times one of the best left backs in the country so in the league so I think he plays but I'm not confident at all he plays all of the next three and if that's the case then 
like there's not much point holding on to him. Yeah, and also uh, to add on to that, it's not like his rotation with the other popular defensive re- defenders we have is great. Like you know, yeah. Brighton Brighton do play Liverpool in game week eight, I believe. Whereas Dubnyk, first of all, Dubnyk didn't even play this game week, so that says a lot about his um, sort of asset value as a FPL player. Uh, you know, I think maybe. You know, it's not like Udogi can play the next two game weeks either, unless you're banking on attacking returns against Arsenal and Liverpool. So, yeah, yeah potentially Chilwell is is going to be a hard sell for me. But there's still that allure with Chilwell, right? Just that sort of underlying bias that that Chilwell, James Tuchel, you know, amazing attacking defender is is still still sort of the storyline for me. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough sell, but I, I do think that. If you're going to go to a Newcastle defender, it's it's fair play. Cool. On to midfielders. So all we've got up on screen now is I think the top 15 or so defenders by XGI. And then you've again got it split by XG and XA. So you can see the breakdown. So of course you want someone high up on this list, but you also want someone who's weighted towards XG over XA. So for example, Mbwemo's stats is exactly what you want, right? So high up, top of the list, and it's all weighted towards XG. Whereas you look at Bruno, third on the list, but he has more XA than he does XG as well, right? So, I mean, the main things we need to talk about here. Firstly, we can mention the Spurs performance, but I think a lot of people are just, Spurs now just fall into hold, right? So they play Arsenal and Liverpool in the next two. I don't think you're investing new. I don't think many people would invest in you, particularly after the performance against Sheffield United, although the space in behind against these clubs may favour Spurs more than the Sheffield United game did. But I don't think you're investing new and I also don't think you're selling them either. So just to, I suppose Spurs is the first talking point because they were the big talking point going into game week five. They're just holds for me. I 100% agree. I'm quite excited to own Sun the next two game weeks. This is all biases aside, like... Uh, these are the games we want for for a player like Sun to sort of excel against the back line. Again, it could be tough games, shutout games, but Arsenal, you know, Sun has historically done pretty decent against Arsenal. So uh, excited for this. Uh, Udogi, you know, um, I think you just keep him in the team for the next two game weeks and then you have him for game week eight against Luton. So definitely a, a hold for me. Yeah. Um, but Harry, before you go on, um, I do have to do a quick plug for Scout um, yeah. just because we forgot in the beginning. Uh, so guys, I'm going to read this. The new Champions League season is just around the corner. And if you're playing the fantasy game this season, FF Scout has you covered with the UCL fantasy pod from the fantasy football community. I believe it's the first time they're doing a UCL pod. So yeah. al- available to all major uh, platforms. You can get the best advice um, advice and uh, uh, analysis and uh, strategy and chip plans for UCL fantasy. Follow Fantasy UCL Pod on Twitter. Subscribe uh, and get all the latest news. Also, on that note, do hit the like button for us. Uh, you know, Harry has done a great job the last few weeks of holding down the fort. Uh, exciting to be back uh, potting with him this week, and we really appreciate the support so far this season. Um, do hit the like button and subscribe to the FF Scout channel uh, if you can. But go on, Harry. Cool. So the next one is Manchester United, and just before that. I want to read you some breaking news from all over the Manchester United forums as they come in. 
Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Aaron Wan-Bissaka oh, yeah. out for up to two months after yeah. sustaining a hamstring injury in the final few minutes against Brighton. Yeah. Well, that doesn't help them any more than they already are, but it does mean, like, I mean, we're not going to buy them, but Dallow and Regulon are going to play every week, aren't they? So. But I, I, I saw rumors about this, so now it's officially confirmed. He's out yeah, for a so while. Uh, it's been one of the the Manchester United um, athletic journalist has published it. So anything that comes through the athletic is, I feel like, is one of the top sources. So yes, uh, yeah, Dallo, and then it should be Regulon on the other side, I think. But we, we're past defenders, but they are quite cheap. Um, but I don't think I'm going to be advising buying any Manchester United players despite the fixtures. Dallow is 4.9, don't think so. Regulon is 4.4, to be fair. Yeah, just a series of unlucky... Just yeah. There's just, just no luck at the club right now. No. Um, that's just the fact. It's just football, right? And yeah. Is Dallow a buy, by any chance? 4.9. I'd rather Regulon at 4.4. Their fixtures are decent. I mean, we did talk about their congestion, but we know Dallow's going to be playing. Regulon's probably playing... Week in and week out now, right? I can't see who from their squad would play left back. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long Luke Shaw's out for, to be fair. I, don't, I can't, like, I feel like it was a while, but I don't know how much, because that was a couple of weeks ago. I still think he's out for a while, but if you're buying regular, I'm probably worth having a look at um, how long Shaw's out for. But anyway, to talk about Manchester United, I would say the biggest talking point in midfield this week, if it's not Spurs, first of all, is maybe Sterling. Sterling for me is a if that free kick goes in again, right? People aren't necessarily that worried on Sterling, but it does go hand in hand with the Chelsea performances. He is highly involved, but I did see a return of 2022-23 Sterling over the past couple of games. And that was my worry after the Luton game is that he will just regress to what we've seen before from him. Sterling I, I is a happy sell for me. The issue is, is actually suddenly is who on earth do we buy in the midfield, right? Because suddenly I was like, oh, well, I'm going to sell Fernandes this week. And then I looked at the options and I thought, I don't actually want any of them this week. Diaby's next two games would be the one, right? But he plays Brighton and Chelsea in his next two. He can score against them, right? But am I selling Sterling with Villa, Fulham to Diaby? Am I selling Fernandes with Burnley this week to go and buy Diaby away at Chelsea? Chelsea have not attacked well, but we've defended okay so far this season. So I suppose there's two points there. Is A, do we want to sell Fernandez, Rashford and Sterling? But actually, is there anyone we want to replace them with? I am very surprised you think Sterling's a sell. I thought Sterling, I thought Sterling was fine. I mean, how many players in the Premier League can dribble through a team and get to sort of the this the inside the 18-yard box and Again, it's a team-based thing because Nicholas Jackson can't score from half a yard away from goal. And we remember that XG chance, big chance he had in the previous game week. But you're just, I think Sterling as an individual is doing fine. You you just think um, the team is not performing. I think the the team performances would, yeah, would really concern me. Um, He's definitely the best attacker that we have. But are you talking about the goal against Luton where he dribbled through and scored no 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 i'm just i'm just i felt like yeah yeah just over the last few games he's been still quite threatening he has right but i just 
I just never have seen end product from him in a Chelsea shirt consistently for so long. And Sterling hasn't done anything for years. It's a little bit harsh in the chat, but I, it's the consistency of actual finishing chances that I haven't seen from him. And then, okay, maybe he's going to create chances, but it's Jackson trying to get on the end of the chances, which is then equally concerning. Yeah, fair. So I think he's, I think people will end up holding him because the replacements are not there at the moment. There's only two midfielders in the game that I'd want to buy this week. That might seem mm-hmm. crazy, but I think there's only two in Brian and Buemo and Mo Salah that I'd actually mm-hmm. be actively wanting to transfer in this week, which then leads me on to when I talk about Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford, that I, I might end up keeping them for Burnley. Marcus Rashford's looked really good in the past couple of games. From an FPL point of view, it's been great because he's been very selfish. He's had a lot of shots in goal and he's been highly involved. And Hoyland coming in has been very good for Rashford, I think. Yeah, I agree. Bruno's been less good over the past two. Rashford was not great in the first couple and has got better. Bruno was good and has got worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's playing center back, right? So, no, I get it. I get it. I, I think uh, in the chat... Alex M- Micah makes a good point. Sterling has been an amazing footballer, but the fact that the team's not performing exactly why he's to sell, I get it, right? Just uh, yeah. that game, you guys should have won. I mean, you guys have spent like a billion dollars uh, recruiting these players. You know, you should be winning oh. against Bournemouth, even though, hey, shout out Bournemouth fans, like great club, but, you know, Chelsea, for the amount of money they're spending, should be winning these games or at least, you know, get very unlucky for not winning these games. But, you're just, uh, as a team, it's just shambolic right now. I don't know what Pochettino's doing. Mudrik is, Arsenal got away so far. Maybe he, you know, comes a good player in, in due time. But yeah, maybe we'd be talking about it differently if Jackson converted that Sterling assist the previous game week. And, you know, Jackson and Sterling both scored. Yeah. They both hit the post this game week. So that's my only sort of thing I would like to say. I think Sterling is a great player individually, but you make a very good point. You can be a great player, but in FPL, we need returns. And the fact that he's not getting returns is a problem. In terms of United, I really regret selling Rashford over Bruno for Son. Um, They have one way of attacking right now, and that is to feed Rashford and let Rashford do that individual brilliance off the left and try to score. I don't think he moves to the right, although Garnacho is not even close to being Premier League level yet. And, yep. you know, I don't, I, maybe Bruno goes out right, but Bruno just, he needs to be playing higher and they just don't have the right players to, you know, you know what it is? Like Casemiro, Casemiro is just yeah. unable to support. He used to cut off team, cut off players if things went sour, right? And even, you know, people, Man United fans are very bullish on Martinez being a great player. He is a great player, but Martinez level has dropped too. If Casemiro missed a cutoff, Martinez used to come up and sort of become a double Casemiro, if you know what I mean. And mm-hmm. I think I think that core line is just really struggling. Again, I go back to the beginning of the pod where we talked about their fitness issues are all the way from the start of January. There's the Sancho thing. There's this Anthony thing. There's one Bissaka thing. There was the whole like yeah. Saudi taking over and buying it off the Glaziers. And now they're coming off and not selling it. Yeah. There's just a whole lot going on with this club and and... Um, yeah, yeah. There, I think Ten Hag has to come out with. I'm going on a tangent here. A different way to play because they just do not have the fitness to be pressing right now. I agree. Uh, Jao Palinia is going to be fought over by clubs in January. You wait. Mm-hmm. There are so many clubs that could do with Jao Palinia. Um, mm-hmm. 
he transforms that Fulham side and I'm sure he would do well in a Manchester United shirt as well. Um, Especially with the performances of Casemiro so far this season. I agree. It is just... So so Rashford Rashford feels a hold. Sterling feels a hold. It's then Bruno. Maybe it's... I watch football a lot of the time from an FPL point of view and I want to see Bruno further forward. I think he's more effective there. But I genuinely think they are better when Bruno Fernandes is playing in at, in at least the eight, if not the 10. 100%. Right? 100%. He's, he's so wasted playing deep. He should be close to the striker, next to Hoyland, you know, way up there. Yeah, correct. If they had a front three even of Rashford, Hoyland, Fernandes they'd be in a much better place than than they are now. But anyway, so I suppose the question is, is okay, right, if we, we're deciding that Fernandes is sellable now, is who do we end up going and buying, right? So this is the issue that we have, mm-hmm. is actually replacements for him. Someone's asked about Eze in the chat, but I have a real... Teams know if they mark Eze out of games that they have a real good chance of beating Palace. We've seen it several times this season which is a concern for me. Diaby's fixtures over the next two are not worth me selling Bruno for. No. So I still come back to the fact the only two players I'd sell Fernandez for this week are Brian and Buemo with Everton and Forrest in the next two. Even then, it's a question. And then Mo Salah is the other one. I, I don't think there's anyone else that I would buy, particularly looking at the data and the fixtures. I don't see anyone else that I sell Fernandez for this week. And I already own Embuemo. Yeah. So it's fair. I think the decision making is simple because of the facts that there's nobody clear to go to. Again, I think we need patience. It's a uh, we've been talking really bad about you know Chelsea and Man United for a good reason, but it's all it takes is one good game week, right? And so just hold on. I would say uh, I'm going to hold on to Bruno. I mean, I've been considering doing Bruno to Rashford again if I had no other uh, transfers to make, but. I think, you know, Bruno can easily get some points. He has more routes to points than Rashford, I, I believe, right? So, so yeah, I agree. There's no one really to go to. And I did the Sala thing. I tried to do Bruno to Sala, but it's just a lot of yeah. surgery to do that. So, yeah, if you have Mbuemo already. Mbuemo, what a great pick from the start. Already a point for rise, Harry. Yeah. So, uh, not much to go to in terms of midfields. I agree yeah. with you. Happy with Mbuemo. He was one of, I was very bullish on him. Um, start of the season and happy to see it paying off. I agree. A few people have said West Ham assets, but realistically, are we selling Fernandez away at Burnley to buy James Will Prowse or Bowen going away to Liverpool this week? Absolutely. If you want to consider it in game week seven, when United have Palace, who are pretty stingy, versus if to go and buy um, West Ham assets for Sheffield United, then potentially. But I don't feel like you do it. It's not one of those that I'm going to do this week. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. The final thing is is very quickly on forwards. Um, we spoke about Jackson. We've spoken about Alvarez. Jackson feels like a sell for me this week, partly because he's on four yellow cards, partly because he's also rubbish, um, <laughs> to say it nicely. But he's missing chances, right? And actually, he didn't wasn't highly involved, right? His data was good for the first few, but he didn't get... He hit the post from like 30 yards. And yes, he hit the post, but the keeper had it. Like if it was going inside the post, I think he would have saved it. So Jackson for me is a sell. The question is, is who do we buy in his place? And there are a few options, actually. Alvarez is the main one. Edouard continues to put up good data and has good fixture this week. Continues to put up good data. 
Ollie Watkins, you go ahead of the Aston Villa curve. And then the only other one that I want to throw in there is Callum Wilson. The reason I would mention Callum Wilson is Callum Wilson started this weekend. I presume Isaac will start the Champions League game midweek. Is it too much of a risk to try and predict what Eddie Howe's going to do? Yeah, we've been there, right? We've been there last season. Yeah. Um, there was a big variance between picking Wilson over Isaac, I remember. I picked Isaac and I was very envious of the Callum Wilson owner. So if you look at that experience that we have, it's almost like it's already hard to predict who's going to start. Yeah. But Callum Wilson is always going to play through central. And if they both start, Isaac's going to move out left where he's pretty much not a good FPL asset, right? So... I get the enticing factor with Callum Wilson, yeah, but it's just too hard to predict who starts and who doesn't start yeah. unless you, you know, confidently look into the Lego Manning chart and think about where you think he might start and you go for it according to your, you know, own beliefs, right? But there's yeah. no right or wrong answer as to how many games he'll start and when he's going to start is yeah. is my opinion on Callum Wilson. Cool. So then, any thoughts on Edward? Presumably, I, like, yeah. I mean, he's probably, um, maybe I'm just being blinkered, but I just don't think I'd buy him. The fixtures yeah. are okay. They play Fulham and Forest at home in the next three. But outside of that, it's United away, Newcastle away, Spurs. Like the fixtures are not great. They're good short in the next three. But if you expand that, you'll end up selling him. And I don't think I would buy him over Morris. And I'm not that bullish on Morris anymore, <laughs> but I think I would buy Morris before I bought him. Strong, strong words there. Yeah, so it does leave me with two forwards in Morris and Alvarez. Of course, Morris has the double in game week seven, whereas Alvarez doesn't, is probably the, well, it's probably the second best forward in FPL at the moment outside of Erling Haaland. So it's just, yeah, for me, it's, it's Alvarez or taking a punt on Morris. But with me trying to save my wild card. Morris is a transfer in and a transfer out. That's two moves that I don't think I've got spare. And the chances are they'll fail to score in one of the next, looking at game week six and then game week seven combined. So those three matches, they'll probably fail to score in at least one of those looking at the way they're attacking. So it's not even like, it's like they've got two single game weeks effectively. So I've quickly going off Luton and Morris having looked at them unless you're wildcarding game week 8 to 10 then maybe you want to take it as a punt right but if this would if, if you were not wildcarding after game week 7 soon after I don't think you buy Morris yeah 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 it's a it's a you know transfer two transfers wasted on him uh, yeah. again the the point about Morris is if you're wildcarding 9 or 10 then he's a genuine option in game week seven. Um, we always want the double game week players, even though they play for Luton. Yeah. Um, you know, again, the question comes down to, do we want Eduard or Alvarez? And if you think, sure, Eduard's minutes are more secure, but think about Alvarez. We talked about it in the beginning. We are assuming he starts against Nottingham Forest. We're assuming he starts in game week eight against Arsenal. So right off the bat, you have two fixtures. And if yeah. he doesn't start in game week seven against Wolves, which is the one I was questioning because of the tightness of fixtures, then you have Morris that could potentially play there again as your third striker option if you're able to get there. So uh, I don't know. Eduard and Crystal Palace, it's just never been an enticing factor for me um, in terms of bringing them in. 
it's a personal opinion. Um, but if you if you want to bring him in, he's been looking good. So fair play. Yeah. Cool. A final couple of shouts that I think are worth mentioning from the chat. The first of which is Awanyi. Of course, Nottingham Forest play tonight. The issue with them is they go away to Manchester City in game week six. So if you want Awanyi and you decide Awanyi is your best forward, you probably keep Jackson this week and you play Jackson at home to Villa and you buy Awanyi in game week seven for Brentford at home. I don't see a, a world where people buy Awanyi this game week, mm. really. When If you've got Jackson, you'd rather I'd rather chance it on Jackson against Villa than, than go Awanyi this week. The other one is um, Dominic Solanke. But again... Bournemouth go Brighton away, Arsenal at home in the next two. I just don't see now being the time to buy over those forwards. There may well be opportunities. Solanke's been a great asset for us at times last season. I will always have a place in my heart for Dominic Solanke after his seven point, okay. 17 pointer. It's been a while a since player. I've mentioned that. 17 pointer player. away at Spurs last season, which, uh, yeah, if I hadn't mentioned it before. I had Solanke in my team for 17 points against Spurs last year. Um, but apart from that, yeah, I don't think I'll be buying those two, especially where they sit on the fixture ticker. So it feels like Alvarez or Morris if you really want to punt it. But if you knew Alvarez was going to start the next two, there's no way you buy Morris, right? No, no way. I think... Um... The well, only maybe, thing is... Maybe, it, yeah. No. Yeah. Like, there's no? realistically... Yeah. Morris, yeah. Morris in three games... Oh, okay, okay. You're considering game week six as well. Yeah. Yes. That, that's a different story then. Yeah. yeah I agree. But if it was game week seven only, Morris versus Alvarez, and you, you if I knew more, if I knew Alvarez uh-huh. was going to start that, then no, I'd uh-huh. still buy Alvarez. I think I'd rather Alvarez in a single. Yeah. The only thing is, if there are people who are in a situation that can buy both. Yeah, yeah. The only thing is, in game week seven, is then you've got to find someone else to to bench, right? Spurs are at home to Liverpool, so are you going to bench Madison? Are you going to bench him? Realistically. I probably like Morris is not worth a transfer to bench Madison. I don't think in that week, mm-hmm. and I don't see many other like highly owned midfielders that people might want to bench in order to play Haaland, Alvarez. Well, the the assumption that assumption is that what if Alvarez doesn't play game week seven? Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And then if, if we find if you go Alvarez this week and you find out Alvarez doesn't start in game week seven, and you can do Archer to Morris, then understandable, right? I can understand right. that. Right, but if the issue is, is we won't. I don't think City. I think City are. When do they play in game week seven? So they play three o'clock on Saturday. It's possible that we know, but it's also possible mm-hmm. that we don't know. And if you don't know, there's no one Hopefully else that I'd don't. really want to bench. Like United have Palace at home. Arsenal go away to Bournemouth. Newcastle have Burnley at home. City, of course, have Wolves away. Spurs have Liverpool at home. If you've got Sterling, he's got Fulham away and Buemo's got Forrest away. There's no one that I'm benching from for Morris that week, I don't think. So yeah, yeah. unless you want to go as a real punt and you're wildcarding very soon afterwards, for me, it's Alvarez over Morris. Yeah, yeah. Fair. Cool. We, we've been live for just over an hour. So we, it's our longest one yet. We have done nice. defenders, midfielders, forwards as well. So very quickly, just looking at our teams for next week, taking into account what we have said what's your plan going into game week six two free transfers for you or just one yeah two free transfers like 2.2 in the bank okay um uh, one thing i would like i would like to mention by the way is that um like rank is so like doesn't matter to be honest um 
first of all, the, the, our ranks up here, I don't think it even include our posts, uh, subs, as well as, you know, we have Turner left to play. Yeah. I think what's more important is that uh, it's how many points you are behind or forward against the engaged managers, yeah. which we're playing against. And I, I think I'm only just 50 points away from the top 10K, for example, which goes to show how close I am to top 500K, top 100K, whatever it may be. Yeah. It's just one or two halls or, you know, a two or three players playing better than one player from the the, the general public, let's call it. So um, I would focus more on the, the points to be had. And again, we got away from a, I got away from a Holland disaster class in terms of captaining Sun, but yeah. Uh, it was just a four point difference, right? Because Sun four plus, or sorry, uh, yeah, I think it was just a 10, 10 versus 14 point difference. So just a four point difference in the end. Yeah. Um, and so that doesn't, like, even if Holland had a masterclass and I was, you know, 10, 20 points behind, I wouldn't rush to like doing differential captains and stuff. Uh, we've played five game weeks. There's still 33 game weeks left to go, double game weeks and all sorts of stuff to come up. So, just kind of be patient for those that may be in the 2 million, 3 million rank. It's like not a factor. It's just how many points you are behind. So this game week, I'm thinking about um, doing Trippier for sure. Um, so I can easily get from, yeah. what's his name? Uh, Gabriel to Trippier, keep Chowell, and then do uh, Alvarez, the, the Alvarez move. But I didn't, I didn't, I forgot that if I do that, then I don't have enough money to go uh, Archer to, uh, Morris in game week seven because I thought Morris was just 5.0 but I guess he's 5.5 so that's a factor that I'm going to sort of marinate throughout the week but I've also considered not going for Alvarez uh, and potentially doubling up on the Newcastle defense um, so if I wish I had three transfers if I had I would go Chilwell Gabriel out for double Newcastle and then do uh, Jackson to Alvarez but most likely it's Trippier and Alvarez in or double defense Newcastle cool please yeah. let me know what you think Gary yeah, I think that's fair enough. Like, a Superman's good this week. Yeah, preferably benching your doggy is also the right idea. Um, so, yeah, like an Arsenal defender, a Newcastle defender in is definitely the way to go. The issue is I'd probably sell Gabriel because then you could keep Chilwell this week, right? And yeah. then do the Jackson move is probably the way I'd, I'd favour. I'm looking at mine and I'm thinking something similar. I'm not going to make a midfield transfer, I don't think, this week. Unless, unless I find a way that I can't see at the moment of getting Salah in. I've got two million in the bank, two free transfers, but I wouldn't want to do it for a hit. Mm. So like Fernandez up to um Fernandez up to Salah, like I can't. It doesn't leave I I'd have to do Jackson to like a five million forward. So it doesn't really work. I think so that, I think to get to Salah you might be able to do a four five one, no? If you were to forget, forego Alvarez and a second striker, could you do that in two moves? What? Like just uh, Jackson to a dead spot and then, oh, actually you can't because you need three transfers then. Yeah. And I'm not playing a 4-5-1. I, yeah. Like what What I could, like it, it could be a minus four, right? I could do Jackson to, yeah, a dead, like Jackson down, Fernandez up and Chilwell down as well. But I don't think it's worth it. So I'll probably end up selling Jackson for Alvarez. And then I'm not 100% sure if I'll use the other one. Um, yeah, I, I'm not certain on it. I I wanna, I am just basically building to get Salah in in game week. Salah and Son in in game week eight is my plan for, nice. uh, prob for Saka and Bruno. 
and I have to find the money to do it somehow. Um, so Chilwell would be downgraded. Like at some point, I'm going to do Pickford to Ariola as well to free up a bit of money there. I probably need one more transfer to try and free up some money and I'm not certain where that's going to be yet. So that's the plan and that's what I need to try and work out. But I think Jackson to Alvarez is, is going to happen this week. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, cool. Guys, do, do, please do hit the like button. Uh, it really helps us out. I think our last episode, we did the we did the most views for our season so far. Uh, so really appreciate the support. Um, I so, Sorry if I've been looking down throughout the podcast because uh, I am traveling. This is like I'm looking at my phone for sort of the live chat and notes. Um, Harry, I, I think it's been a you know, great pod as well. It was good to like talk to you about all the the thoughts we have. And it's good that we do it on a Monday at times because uh, it helps me sort of digest everything in early on and then Mm -hmm. really think about it throughout the week. So I really appreciate everybody joining in today. Um, Any final words from you, Harry? No. um, We've got to do a plug. Yeah. Oh, what for the UCL pod? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Scout are, let me get the the handle of it, but of course, anyone playing um, UCL Fantasy, there is, of course, the first round of fixtures starting this game week. So, yeah, if you are considering it, Fantasy Football Scout do have you covered. So there is a UCL Fantasy pod from the Fantasy Football community. Go and have a look. Follow uh, Fantasy UCL pod on Twitter. They will be giving you everything you could possibly need for the first time. Um, to get you all up and running for the new Champions League season. It is a painful, um, painful season not watching Chelsea in the Champions League this season. It is going to be a while as well before I get any European football, let alone Champions League. But uh, yeah, if you guys are playing it, make sure to go and check them out. Fancy UCL pod on Twitter um, and on all your favorite podcast platforms as well. Nice. Should we do some questions actually? I, I have some time. Yeah, we'll do a few questions. We've got the chat up on screen. Fire your questions away. We'll do five and then we will wrap things up. So what are my thoughts on the Manchester City midfielders outside of, of course, Alvarez playing up front, Doku and Foden? So my initial thought is Doku looks great, but Grealish is not out for very long. And that will be a concern as soon as Grealish is back. Foden is a fine hold for now, but I'm not sure I'd be buying in new. It's probably where I stand on them. Nice. Lots Anything of kind, kind comments. Thank you, guys. Alvarez versus Morris. I think we tackled that. Definitely Alvarez, right? Yeah. If we know Alvarez starts, like it's straightforward. Yeah, I think. Um, holding three Chelsea players with one free transfer, time to wild card. No, because I think we decided Sterling was a reasonable hold and Chilwell can be held if needs be. So Jackson to go. The other two are fine. I would, if you can, I'd probably try and get to game week eight before playing your wild card. Yep, yep. Cool. Ryan, thoughts on a minus four eight instead of wild card? Well, look out for burning questions because Harry's on that route. So maybe yep. you guys share the same journey. Brian, if it's if it's minus four or eight this week to save the wild card. Oh, okay. That's a little bit more difficult because you may end up having to take more hits in game week eight onwards to try and get to the wildcard team. In that case, I still don't think the wildcard in game week six is valuable enough. I think I would still do a minus four and get to game week eight and play a wildcard then perfectly, personally. 
Some good questions, actually. JWP or Bowen from Bravo, and is JWP a shout from GC? Yeah, I think JWP is very interesting. He's playing a lot more higher than what we're used to at Southampton, and yeah. he looks very passionate and sort of, what's the right word? Um, looks good. So, yes, but at the same time, uh, I am not sure, you know, if he's a viable pick over the ones we have already. So yeah, I agree. Not sure I'm there. He's one of the ones that I'd buy if I was playing draft or I was like trying to enjoy nice. the game rather than just yeah. like focusing purely on on trying to like gain rank um he's a fun player to watch he's playing very far forward but with their fixtures of liverpool and newcastle my sensible head says now is not the time to be buying them agree agree maybe two um, more yeah thoughts on a game week nine wild card so the issue with game week nine so game week eight is when Liverpool starts. You also have uh, Manchester City versus Arsenal as well. So game week eight has its benefits. And if you have no Spurs, game week eight works really well. Game week 10 also works well because Manchester United play Manchester City. Plus there are other fixture swings in there. Like Villa looks really good, particularly from game week 10 onwards. And you don't you can actually go then with one Spurs asset you can probably you'll probably have to pick either Son or Madison. Whereas if you wildcard game week nine, you'll probably have both for one week and then have to sell one to try and get to the squad that you want. So I don't really feel like nine does anything more than eight or ten. So I think eight and ten are probably the best two weeks, in my opinion. Nice. One Good more breakout breakdown there. Yep. Where do you want to go? Oh man, there's a couple of good questions. I like this meta question by Taichon. Is it a bad strategy to target lesser team players who are not in the CL Europa League? I mean, um, you know, you don't even have to do that because uh, Spurs, yeah. Chelsea are you yeah. know, not in Europe, right? So they're not really like lesser teams, what's so call it. But yeah. um, I don't think it's that straightforward, like that. those mm -hmm. questions. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't buy like someone lower just because they don't have European football but it does mean the likes of Spurs do become very appealing as long-term holds because chances are Son, Madison, Udogi are going to play almost every game yep yep cool. Russell we talked about Newcastle strikers if you want to go back to it uh, we'll do timestamps after but yeah yeah there we go yeah no Chelsea yeah that's true Chelsea don't have Champions League but still wouldn't be buying them probably <laughs> Cool. Well, that is all we have uh, time for today. Thank you all very much for joining. Andy, great to have you back. I think we'll be back, the two of us, for the foreseeable future now as well. There is a lot to think about this week, but it does feel like one of those game weeks where everyone needs to take a little minute, accept that good FPL picks do blank in some game weeks as well, and actually just look at your teams and decide who, what, which are good assets that blanked, and which are actually bad FPL assets going forward. Enjoy yourself. It's a lot to cover this week. Yeah. I, one last thing I'll say for the few remaining. Um, again, please do you know support the channel. Hit the like button. And before the pod, I was talking to Harry about uh, us bringing Pross on as a guest very, very soon. I'm excited for that. Um, and uh, Harry had to, if Pross, if you're listening, Harry had to say, I think Pross has gone a little rogue this season. So uh, I'm excited to have uh, my brother back and sort of pick apart his brain on and how he's been doing this season. But 
yeah uh, hopefully as a guest very very soon yeah definitely it'll be nice to have him on it was just it was just i suddenly saw a side to praz we decided to go and get son this week but i was like god look at him go <laughs> no. look at him go i wish i could have been that bullish but then you know none of the mids ended up scoring anything anyway thank you all yep. for joining have a great rest of your week for podcast listeners as well do give us a five star review thank you all very much for listening and we'll be back again next week thank you guys